Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. Football, guys. It's a game of inches. Fun times. If we can, uh, this is Brendan Sinone here, by the way, uh, joining me uh, here in the bowels of uh, the Moore Athletic Center slash Doak Campbell Stadium slash FSU. Chris Nee, Bob Ferrante, go around the table. If you can describe this Florida State football team uh, in one word, uh, what would that be, Chris? Broken. Damn, that was going to be mine. Bob? I used this word a month ago, and I still feel the same way. I think underachieving. You used like seven words to describe one word, and said think underachieving. You guys stink at underachieving. This is one just, word. just follow directions. What do you got? I was going to have broken, but... but how about fragile? Crumbling? Fragile. Fragile. That works. None of them are really good words, I think, is kind of the, the moral of the story here. So we're, we're recording this podcast on a Monday morning, a uh, couple days now to, uh, to kind of digest, a couple sleeps at least, to digest uh, Florida State's most recent loss, a 31-28 defeat to Louisville. Uh, uh, heartbreaker, you could describe. You could describe it in a lot of ways, but, but essentially uh, not good, uh, not good for the direction of this program. That loss, guys, for whatever reason, uh, and maybe that's where we can start off here, seemed to be the most impactful uh, loss of the season for Florida State. That seemed to be the one of the four they've had so far, the one that, that, that bothered them the most so far. I think you saw players kind of wore it after the game. You saw the body language in the interviews, guys like, you know, Derwin James crying before or after the game, Josh Sweat kind of struggling to come up with answers to questions and pretty much the same questions he's been fielding you know, through the prior five games. Brian Burns trying to sound optimistic, mentioning that they were going to have a, a players-only meeting on Sunday. But it, it's a team that they are facing the same issues week after week. It's, it's Groundhog Day. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same movie every week. You pretty much know what's going to happen. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. They may or may not win. And it's, it's very predictable how this team loses games. You pretty much know how the plot line is going to go. As soon as Louisville got the ball back following the, the fumble on the missed handoff or you know, replay or whatever it was, and, and Jimbo, and we'll talk to him, we're recording this before the press conference on Monday afternoon, he was kind of noncommittal in saying what exactly happened when the Blackman Acres handoff. It looked kind of like a read option that was botched, um, but I don't know that for a fact. But but after that happened and Louisville got the ball back, uh, Chris turned to me and said, yeah, this, this is happening. Um, so... It was kind of predictable in that sense, like you said, Bob. And I think to your point with this being a groundhog day, it, that's what struck me after this game was the reaction. There was this sense of grief almost that, that the team was feeling um, and just pure frustration. We saw that with Jimbo Fisher and his little tiff with the obnoxious fan. Um, and I don't think that was as bad as some people made it out to be. But in the, at the same time, um, you're the face of the program. You're the guy who has basically made it to where everything runs through you. You have to be the. You are the face of this program. That's how Jimbo Fisher has designed this thing. You can't do that, man. And yeah. I, I thought that was telling of where this program is at. I think that moment kind of showed that the walls are closing in. At least there, there's there is uh, frustration and, and a drowning to this yeah, program it, right now. It boils over, and I get it. I think everybody's frustrated. I think people that covered this program are frustrated watching this team. It's not. There's no enjoyment in watching FSU football currently. Well, there's, even in, there's no even enjoyment in, in covering this team for sure. No, but even in the two wins, they've not been an enjoyable team. No. There's not been a good Saturday for Florida State fans through six weeks, six I mean, games of this season. Outside of since the, since Jameis Winston left, like outside of watching Dalvin Cook run the football and Demarcus Walker occasionally doing something special, like what has been enjoyable about this program? The offseason. 
and then that's you know you're looking at all the shiny four or five star recruits they have and and seeing okay they do these couple tweaks here and there and you know all these personnel options and then it's just not coming to fruition and you know I think what's going to end up being a big storyline this week is Florida State losing close games um, and they've lost you know, a lot three three close games this season and that Alabama game frankly like could have been close until just things fell apart they, they won two close games too yeah, right? yeah they've won two and that's what it's going to come and that's what Jimbo's going to talk about is that they've won a lot of close games and that they were consistently winning these close games but yeah. and I understand it's college football and that close games happen and there's always going to be two or three or four throwaway games if you look at Clemson last year like you need some luck to get there but man like like the way even in which they're winning games and the way they're losing games uh, is it? It's just the same problems are repeating over and over again, typically, and there's not a solution. And when that happens, to me, that spells a systematic problem. We've talked a little bit about this, but there, there's something inherently wrong with the way things are going right now, and that's regardless of wins or losses. Yeah, and it's not one single thing. It's an entirely unreliable defense. Mm-hmm. That defense, when they're put in a situation to win a game, more often than not, it's not going to win it. Can't trust them. Plain yeah. and simple. The offense isn't very productive. Mm-hmm. They don't score enough points. Some of that's a freshman quarterback. Some of that's a stubborn head coach who coaches the offense. Some of that is guys just failing to you know maximize the opportunities they're given. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, Nyquan Murray two weeks ago should have scored on a ball instead of being taken down. This past week, I'm sure we can find a player or two where a guy should have gained more yards. Mm-hmm. For example, Cam Akers slipping on the grass. Yeah. First one that comes to mind should have about another 10 yards. But that happens to every single team in college football like every week. Yeah, but like, FSU yeah. does it consistently. Yeah. FSU is super consistent at being bad at doing things that help you win football games. So so this podcast, and I think as we're recording here, it, I don't have a whole lot of notes of things to go over from the Louisville game. We'll go over some of that, but I think this is going to be more of kind of big picture of this program. Um, let me take you guys back to, to like a peek behind the curtains as we're covering the team back before fall camp starts when we still had a little bit of access uh, to see the team. And I just remember that week, once Alabama week came around, I mean, those guys were loose beforehand. That whole preseason camp, they were loose. They were playing around. You know, middle of August, late August pulls around, and all of a sudden the game plan for Alabama comes in. And the coaching staff, not the players, but the coaching staff, tightened up um, just just almost instantly as soon as that time came around. Um, and, and I'm a believer of what you put out in life is kind of what comes back to you. You put out stress. You put out anxiety. And I'm an anxious human being. You put all that out, it comes back to you. Um, and I think we've seen that trickle down through the players now. They don't play with fun. They don't play with exuberance or, or excitement. Um, and I don't think they're not playing hard, but I do think that they are playing rigid and uptight. And, and that's just what it seemed to me and, and for a couple weeks now. And as losing kind of happens and continues to happen, uh, that's only going to get worse. They're yeah. only going to become more rigid. The optics at the end of the game were bad on the sideline. You saw a team that looked very... Jimbo Fisher literally dropped his knee before the game was lost. Guys either looked distraught, like inconsolable, yeah. which I heard carried over to the locker room, yeah. or like they just did not give a shit. One of the and other. And there was no in-between. And I, I Once it. again, Chris is the one who breaks the swear. No, I'm sorry. But, I've been better lately. But there were guys that clearly looked like, hey, let me go get changed and leave the stadium. I mean, I, it didn't bug them that they just lost their fourth game of the season. Some of them, and then others and were then just there devastated. Were that were, which is a know, weird place Blackman to be. was a good example yeah. of a guy who was inconsolable. Yeah. Derwin James, I would put in the category of inconsolable. Jacquez Patrick, who yeah. is now probably out for the season, according to Jimbo Fisher, with the knee injury. I was going to write that he walked slowly out of the. Maybe I did. He, but maybe now we know why he tore his meniscus, or at least some cartilage uh, in the knee. I don't want to say meniscus, but that's what it's. It's a knee injury with, with cartilage. Um, but he's a guy who leaves out on the line and has done so every game this season, uh, and he was upset. Um, when you see guys that are the dependable bunch, the Derwins of the world, the Patricks of the world. 
you know, guys that you know have brought it consistently. You can't question their character or the way they played a game of football or what, what they've tried to do here this year. When you see them distraught, broken, crying, huge sighs of just, like, don't know where we go from here, that's a horrible sign. Like, I, I just – I have no belief, despite the schedule softening a little bit down the stretch for FSU, that they're all of a sudden going to kind of find it and get some magic. I don't see it there. I, I mean, think it doesn't soften a ton. Like, you got a short week up at Boston College. Like, yeah. on a Friday night, I mean – on paper, they should win, but they should have on paper probably beaten Louisville this past sure. week. Um, you know, Delaware State. Delaware State's the only win I'm willing to give them at this point. Yeah, right. Do we? Is that is that fair? Even ULM at this point looks like you're, you're paying a team to come in, whatever, close to 1.5 million, and you may not win that game. I mean, you may have two very beaten up teams that just might not be able to to produce a good product on the field. I. Th- this is a team that's that's kind of at a crossroads. I think you guys brought up an interesting point. There are a lot of players who are putting it all out there. And we're seeing a lot from freshmen and sophomores, too, the guys that they're not used to losing. Mm-hmm. They're going to give it everything they got. And they think they can, they can move into a starting position, or maybe they're playing for 2018 as far as where they can be set up for the future. But I think we are seeing some upperclassmen that maybe aren't carrying the load, aren't being good enough leaders, aren't stepping up and standing up. Again, you know, Brian Burns said that they were going to have a team meeting on Sunday. You never know with team meetings. I don't feel like team meetings... <laughs> when, they, when they start telling you they have to have team meetings, it's probably too late. And how productive are they typically? I, I don't know. It's like it, no. it's like marriage counseling. Like By the time you go to marriage counseling, right. like the, the, you it's know, broken. there's something that's already inherently really, really wrong. That doesn't mean you can't fix it and salvage it. It's not 100%. But you're now fighting an uphill battle. Here's the issue I have with the team. If they're put in any situation. Sorry if anyone's going to marriage. If they're put into a situation at the end of a game where it's that possession matters the most, they're going to lose it more often than they're going to win it. Yep. And it's just a confidence issue. It boils over. It fills your head. It becomes what you sort of believe. Yep. I mean, they're horrendous on last drives when it matters the most. This season, they it's almost been a coin flip. I mean, this season, which with that talent level, it shouldn't be a 50-50 proposition. Last minute or last last scoring drive opportunities, let's see. Let's go down the line here. So uh, NC State, we won't count that for now because that wasn't the last second. But they were within a score, and they allowed a touchdown in the fourth quarter and let that thing kind of get out of hand. Like, that was not the defense doing its job, all right? Uh, Wake Forest, you allowed Wake Forest to move and have a chance at it, but you got the stop because it's a Hail Mary. So there you go. Your game's ending on a, on a coin flip. Miami, you let them go down and score. They're at least going to tie it. You let them go and they score a touchdown when they can't. Duke, you know, 50-50 proposition again. Um, and then Louisville, uh, you let them just march right down and score with not a whole lot of, you know, it wasn't a moment in there where they really needed it, right? Unless I'm, I can't remember. It wasn't like a like a tight, close moment where Louisville wasn't going <laughs> to score yeah. on that final drive. Um, no, so, so do we all agree that talent isn't the issue? With this group, it's not the inherent. It's that's not the main problem. That, this is a talented individually team. speaking player. Yes, player no. No, yeah. So that's not an issue. Um, effort, I don't think is the main issue. I think you can want to see more of some guys, but I don't think this is a team. You're not seeing loafs like you saw last year. You're not. And if, if effort's an issue year over year, then that. Well, that's what I want to get down to. But yeah, so effort, I don't think is the main talent and effort aren't. So that means either it's execution. It's not the same as last year. You Correct. And it could be a lot better, and there's going to be people who are going to point examples of, like, say, Tavares McFadden yeah. is a name that comes up where there's body, body language. But I'm talking about, and, you know, 11 guys, most of them are, are caring and, and trying hard. 
Demarcus Christmas running yeah, sixty yards downfield. Um, I mean, you know, Kieran James hasn't been what any of us thought he was going to be this year, but he still cares and he still hustles and he still tries. I mean, the, he's the, also cleaning up a lot of messes. Yes, he is. They kind of need him back there if, to if clean up. The messes. defense was more reliable in front of Derwin. Derwin could freelance and do a little more of yeah. what he's great at. But right now, they can't survive. The doing linebacker that. position has been a disappointment. There's been some injuries. You know, two of your three seniors have either missed time or haven't been hundred percent when playing. Uh, that's part of it. But but I guess so. What I'm trying to get to here is if talent's not the issue and Effort overall isn't the, the main overriding issue, then that all kind of becomes systemic. Do we yeah, agree that, that there Coaches and the message they're trying to deliver. It's, it's not consistently getting through. Yeah. Jimbo talked about that. I asked him this last year, that I think it was after the Florida game, and that's whether that message, you know, whether whatever your message is as a coach, whether there was a point last season where he was afraid that that wasn't getting through. And he said, I wish I had the quote, and I should have planned ahead and had the quote in front of me, but he, you know, paraphrasing here, said, yeah, like you towed that line every single day. Uh, as a coach, that's something you're always trying to fight is is relaying your message and trying to get it through. And it was clear that it wasn't getting through last season. They salvaged it. And it was against playing an easier schedule. And there was things that went right. But I mean, I think that's how thin of a line that we're talking about with the way this program is set up. I don't think it's like that everywhere else, is it? Like to where to where you're literally, you know, on the whim of a couple bad weeks just completely defining your season. Well, I other. think most programs live on a nice edge. When things go well, a momentum is built in it keeps going because we're talking about 18 bad, 19 year old it kids it can go bad real quick i mean we saw notre dame last year go in the tank like that and North now Carolina but now they're out of it a good but now notre that. dame's out of it so it right. is a knife edge i think to your point yeah that's true they, the the drop can be quick and the turnaround can be equally quick uh. i think the problem for fsu is that the drop has been gradual and now they fell off the side of the cliff and i mean and there's again you're not working with uh, this isn't the lost decade where there's no talent in the cupboard and the, and the cupboard's bare but uh, you talk about a, you talk about a turnaround and what's needed to turn around. And again, this isn't just solely about wins and losses. This is about you know Jimbo talks about the process. This is about the way you're getting there, and it doesn't look good. And the issue that I'm having with as I'm finishing up the, this meandering thought, uh, this team is not completely in a hole. I mean, they are this season. This program isn't, but changes need to be made. Uh, whether it's the way, whether it's personnel, whether it's the way you're you know, going, going with player development, uh, there's clearly things that have to be changed and adjusted, and we haven't seen uh, definitive proof of, of that being something this coach, that the CEO of this program, Jimbo Fisher, is willing to do up to this point. He talks about evaluation, um, but last year there probably should have been coaching changes, and I'm not even talking about Charles Kelly up top. I, I think that's going to happen now. I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about another man's job. But there probably should have been more of an effort to get more support for him last year, and that didn't happen. Uh, and now we're kind of seeing the results uh, of the inability to adapt and to change. I think what Jimbo preaches is playing situational football and playing it at a very high level and winning first down, third down, red zone, two-minute. And what we're seeing is Florida State is losing fourth quarter, last two minutes of the game, third down, poor on defense, first drive of games up until Duke and Miami have been very poor. And those are scripted plays. Those should be high percentage plays where your offense can get in gear and can build confidence. And then they fall off right after. <laughs> yeah, they're and, situationally bad. And they're situationally bad. And I think we, we talk about this frequently, but it's, it's what Jimbo preaches, and now we're seeing the results are not there. So it, it is being poorly executed, but I also think it's not being taught correctly as far as 
what you need to achieve to find success. And we know they taught. We know we know that they preach situational football. I was sitting here on Thursday afternoon, and I was sitting inside the Moore Center, and you could hear it without the doors being open. Just Jimbo screaming at them. You know, Thursday's two minute drills. But I, I think the issue goes well beyond doing it for an individual game. I think offensively, FSU has lost a course with the goal is to score points. Yeah. What are they? I wrote it after the game. It was sort of a meandering thought because it's tough to encapsulate. Don't use my word. That's my word of the podcast. But, meandering. But what Jerk. was FSU on Saturday trying to do from down to down? There was a situation where they went for it on third down and then went for it on fourth down, and third down did nothing to set up fourth down. Yeah. And to me, that's idiotic. If you're willing, if you go into it knowing at this field position, we're willing to go for it on fourth down, something FSU does on an incredibly rare occasion, then freaking set up fourth down with third down, and they didn't do that. And that's a, that, to me, defines this offense. This offense doesn't do anything set up the next thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that would drive me berserk if I'm part of the offense. Because, like, what, what's your mission statement? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What what are you going into a game as? Are you a running team? Are you a passing team? Are you going to roll the quarterback? Are you going to be pocket? What the hell are you? Figure out what your offense is and go be it. And defensively, they don't fire off. They don't play fast. They all play tentative. I don't know why it is, but I definitely think it starts with coaching. And they don't know what they are. For the amount of incredible talent, multiple guys who are going to play in the NFL, and some of them are going to have really successful NFL careers, that defense doesn't play very well on any Saturday ever. They have moments, they have flashes, they have downs, they have series that they're good. In general, they're not very good. On offense, I think we know what the identity is of this team. It's just Uh, they've gone away from uh, running and pounding the ball. And Louisville was giving up yard after yard after yard on the ground. And Florida State, yes, they got behind 28-14 and they had to pass. Obvious. But we haven't seen Florida State be aggressive enough on the ground. This is going to be an issue moving forward, which of course Patrick probably out for the rest of the year. Is Jimbo going to have confidence enough in Cam Akers and Amir Rasul, probably Ryan Green too, to commit to the ground attack, play after play, drive after drive throughout the rest of the season? Is he going to do that? Because otherwise you're going to put James Blackman in a terrible spot where he's going to have the game on his shoulders in the fourth quarter and he might make a freshman mistake like he made last Saturday. You don't want to put the game on Blackman's shoulders. It's all it's all counterproductive. If so, one two two things off that, Bob. One is you mentioned the identity, and and I think that's what's frustrating about this team. As we saw last week up at Duke, is is that there was some kind of uh, epiphany for Jimbo Fisher where things started working, uh, and and there was something that was an identity that was forging with the run game, with moving Blackman out of the pocket. We saw some of that. Um, and then they had to go away with it. And it was almost, I mean, there was a couple, they had a couple successful runs in, I think it was the second or third drive against Louisville. They had a couple nice runs in a row, and they passed it three times. Yep. Um, and it's easy for us to sit here, it's like, oh, I don't know if there's pre-play, like, adjustments, and I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what's going on if there's a quarterback's making a check. But the end of the day, and again, we're talking about, you know, now result-oriented and, and the way you're getting to those through the process, and the end result ultimately is you're trying to protect your freshman quarterback, uh, and then you're forcing him to have to make some really big boy throws at the end of the day. That's, I guess it's all counterintuitive to what you're trying to accomplish. This is not a team that isn't playing to its defense. I mean, Jimbo Fisher basically said throughout before the week he conceded they were going to give up points to Louisville. Like, I understand Lamar Jackson's really good, but to go into the, a game with that mindset is just crazy. There's just, and if you have that mindset, you better be ready to score. Yeah, and they he wasn't. They a season high <laughs> with 14 points in the first half and a season high with 28 points in the game. Those two statements right there are pathetic for Jimbo Fisher. Well, only defense. 21 of those were the offense scoring, right. too. The defense, you know, 
uh, fumble recovery. So I mean, I, I think they're fundamentally broken. Yeah. As a program, I think they're currently in a really bad state. And some of it's, you know, injuries, namely quarterback, and a lot of it is just stubbornness within the coaching ranks. Yeah, I mean, you watched the sideline. You were talking about this during the game. The defensive coaching on the sideline is sort of atrocious to watch right now. It's really bizarre. Charles Kelly is trying to do about ten jobs. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like everybody's on the same page. I mean, so it it seems like Line, Brad Line, defensive ends, outside linebacker coach, he's in the box, right? He was at least for the Duke game. You know, because you saw him coming down. We didn't see him on the sideline Saturday. Uh, And same thing with Bill Miller. I think he's been up in the box. So you have four defensive coaches. Half of them are up in the box. All right. How many offensive coaches are on the field? I believe all of them. Right Except now, for Tim Brewster. Brewster. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird, I don't understand what's what's really happening there. But, but yeah, you're watching Charles Kelly, and it was after Louisville scored to go up 28-14. to 14, uh, And he's you know walks down the sideline, and now he has to go to the linebackers. And then he, and he's going up on the whiteboard, then he's going to the defensive backs, and then he's going back to the linebackers again. Um, so you're asking for one guy to kind of have to, to coach up this scheme and a scheme that uh, Chris said earlier like, has <laughs> some major issues to begin with. Uh, and you're just putting a ton of pressure on him. That's it. You know, people want to blame it all on, on Charles Kelly. Um, and there's certainly after a certain point, like the results are what they are. Yeah, plenty of blame for him. Yeah, there's, there's I'm, not, I'm not saying, but I'm, uh, what I guess is, is you're trying to put people in the best position to succeed, whether it's your coaches, whether it's your players. And that's not happening right now. No, and Wayne McGahey walked in here because he does nothing else better to do apparently than, than <laughs> watch it. And he wants you're not part of this podcast today. You're just sitting and and watching, and it's making me anxious. It's like real life YouTube. I'm just sitting here enjoying listening to you guys talk. Bob? Especially, I'm here for Bob. I'm here for Bob's I, special teams talk. I just feel like we can't say for 45 minutes straight everything's messed up and let's fire everybody. Like, but at the end, that's of the what day, people want at, us to do. At the end of the day, we went from. Talking about rings at the beginning of the year to fire rings at the end of the year. Hey, hey! Did you just come up with that? Yeah, I think so. That was on my toes. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make this a whole... Was it after the Miami game I wrote, probably incorrectly, is that the, that one game in and of itself wasn't a referendum on Jimbo Fisher's program. But it did, was symbolically a lot of, showing a lot of issues in that the program is turning the wrong direction. Three weeks later, this whole season is a referendum on Jimbo Fisher, right? We're at the point now they where... They seem rudderless. Ooh, you're just... Uh, they do. They so like foreplay kind of. What the of. hell is the direction of the program? I don't know. I don't know. And again, like I, this isn't result oriented. Like if they had, if I had a column I was starting to write, if they had beaten Louisville, it wasn't going to be a oh they found a way to sneak it out kind of deal. It's like man, there are still some inherent issues that are persist, persisting, and they aren't figuring out. And it's good that you find a way to win, uh, but with the talent advantage that you should have, and I know the ACC is picking it up, and the bottom isn't what it was five years ago or even three years ago. But what we're seeing weekly shouldn't it shouldn't be seven points one way or the other swings that are going to determine every single freaking game that you're in if you're Florida State. I think one game in itself, like if Florida State had just lost to Louisville and you say, well, Lamar Jackson's just a crazy yeah. dude. He's fantastic, and he's done this for three years against him. And you can say, okay, well, it's just Lamar Jackson. But they blew it against NC State. They blew it against Miami. Mm-hmm. They almost threw it away against Duke and Wake. I mean, this is a team that just is so flawed late in games where they're not picking the pieces together and making it happen. And I think we're seeing – we need to see who the leaders are of this team and if they can regroup the players in any – but here's the reasoning why. I like confidence. You're playing Boston College and Syracuse. You're not playing a big rivalry team. 
And we have seen so far this season, my theory has been true. I think I said this to you on Saturday mm-hmm. before Louisville. Florida State gets up for the big games and plays down to the opponent consistently. They've done it all year. They played down to NC State, Wake, and Duke. But the results are the same. All three of the games they were trying to get up for, they've lost. But you have to, <laughs> you can't do this. You can't just say, we're Florida State. The, the name on the jersey, the helmet, gets you the wins. There's no intimidation anymore. This isn't the early 1990s where the gap between the talent is, is a Grand Canyon. This is, yes, we can call this the new ACC, to use a Leonard Hamilton term, but well, the these, thing are about the new ACC State, is... these are games that Florida State should be winning or should be comfortably putting these games away in the fourth quarter, and they're not. No, they're, they're, they're not, um, but it, it's... I mean, we're looking at, like, how they close things out in the fourth quarter, and we're going to hear that it's a matter of inches and a couple plays here and there. But, like, I mean, it's legitimately – you look at Miami game, even if they don't make that fade pattern, they don't throw that touchdown pass, like, the fact they got that far, they how many yards did they get on, on draw plays on that? Like, they got, like, 40 but yards on two draw plays? Miami uh, went for 150 yards on their last 15 plays, 10 per play. They also converted, I believe, three third and longs over their final two drives in that game. They got whatever the hell they wanted. Duke had at least one. There was a blown coverage. It was the play A.J. Westbrook got hurt on. Uh, where I think it's either the linebacker didn't get far enough, but Jimbo saying the pass rush didn't get there. So it's not like teams are just going and making these absurd, crazy plays against them. It's just bad luck. Like, there are just legitimate breakdowns that are happening at the end of games. Um, and so you can say, like, yeah, we win some of these, but, like, I guess then the question begs to differ, or you, you, can, you can beg to question, like, whether you deserve to win some of those, you know, even the ones you have against Duke. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, they're just – they're not – mentally strong and it's easy for me a sports writer to sit here that someone who's just just riddled with anxiety on an everyday basis to talk about being mentally strong but you know that's this, that's not my job my job is not to be that um and these guys right now aren't in a position where they are finding ways to win and i don't think it's as it, we hear inches and that this team's inches away man it's not inches anymore no it's not you may be losing some close games but you're losing close games as a team that has superior talent. And there is a major issue with that. Um, and what else do we want to talk about? We're only 26 minutes in, but like I, I don't know if we have, can do an entire podcast on this team. being. We, we just now sit and wait and see what the captain of the ship does at the end of the year. I mean, people want to talk about changes all day, and I get asked, you know, who do you think stays, who do you think goes, what do you think happens? The truth is whatever Jimbo Fisher wants to happen is what's going to happen. Yeah. He runs this program. There's not pressure that can be put on them. Fans cannot come. Seats can be empty. There will be some financial pressure felt. There will be conversations between the athletic department and the head football coach. But at the end of the day, at the end of the year, what changes within this program is what Jimbo Fisher decides to change and who he changes and who he brings in Mm -hmm. is all on him. Mm -hmm. It all starts and ends with one person. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Yep, and that's how he he wants it, and he's gotten his power. Um, It's also why we're in this pickle, though. You go out and you hire Bill Miller. Well, Bill so, might be a fine coach. I don't know. But you hired Bill Miller. Wayne I mean, like that. You, you could have like easily that. hired plenty of other people for that position who would bring more value to your staff, both as a coach and a recruiter. And he did it. That's again, it's about maximizing and your opportunities. And you, I, I think you overpaid a defensive coordinator who probably doesn't deserve the money, but because Auburn came into the situation, you got bid up mm-hmm. and you had to pay it. Mm-hmm. I get it. You're loyal to the guy. I understand it. The guy's very loyal to you. I understand that. But the truth is, he's in over his head. Mm-hmm. They're not a good defense. They've never been a good defense under them. Even when they were better, they still weren't very good. They were they were never dominant. And now they're yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, 
And offensively, you're a head coach who's a great offensive mind, has proven it time and time again throughout his career. I get humored by people that are like, Jimbo's not a good offensive coach. No, at the end of the day, he's a pretty good offensive he coach. Sees, he sees the field and sees the game at the a pace that is few he in the world do. He currently deals with everything on the field, yeah. and I think it takes away from his ability as an offensive uh, coordinator. Absolutely. So either go hire an offensive coordinator or hire guys you can depend on so you can be the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. No, Because the current way he's doing it is not working for him. But But – so and we're talking about like you know, what you're saying here, Chris, is changes. If you want to stop where the direction you're going, changes are needed. Is that, is that for, okay, so if, if if that's where we're at, and I I don't disagree with you I at all. I think you could truthfully gut pretty much the entire staff. I think Odell Higgins is here till the end of mm-hmm. the days. You know, Odell's earned that right. He's very good at what he does. He does a great job with his D tackles. He recruits at a high level. Mm-hmm. Odell checks the boxes. But truthfully, is there anybody else on this staff that you think is irreplaceable or that you couldn't improve upon? No. We talked about this on on previous podcasts. Is like if they did cut bait with like a you know Charles Kelly in the middle of the season, which is not going to happen. If they did decide that was the direction they were going to go, like who would be the guy that would have the be the DC? Yeah. So so I guess that's the question. So if you're saying that that changes need to be made and probably will be made at the end of the season and the off season, what confidence do you have that the right decisions are going to be made either? replacing personnel, recycling it, or finding new personnel? I, I think that depends on how bad it gets. I mean, if FSU, you know, say they went out and lose just a Clemson game, and mm-hmm. we reschedule Louisiana Monroe here. So that would put them at what? They would be 7-5. and five. Yeah. Go and win your ball, you're 8-5. and five. Will there be changes? Probably. Yeah. At least a few. Do I think they'll be drastic? No. Now but, say they only win Delaware State going forward, don't reschedule Louisiana Monroe, don't go to a bowl and they're a 3-win football team. Mm-hmm. I think at that point you, you look in the mirror and you think, well, man, you know, yeah, they're paying me a lot. I'm pretty locked into this contract, but I also don't want to lose this job. You start thinking about changes and kind of salvaging the ship. But so so not even like that. There are wholesale changes, but if they, let's say the scenario in which three to five staff members change, whether it's them being let go, them finding different jobs, uh, whatever. Like, what have you seen recently that allows you to believe that the right hires for this program that, that there is a pulse on this program right now i guess that's what i'm getting to absolutely not that, that, and that's where we're at is is this all becomes a referendum on jimbo fisher and i don't know if that's necessarily accurate to do that but, but I, it's probably fair and deserved based think, on where the program has gone i think pretty much up until this saturday jimbo the whole inches speech and we're close i think he legitimately believed that to a large degree yeah i'm not convinced that's still the belief within those offices. It I, shouldn't be. As you said at the beginning of the podcast, Saturday was very different. Players reacted differently. Yep. It just came off differently. It's almost like, oh, no, we're bad. Yep. Like that sunk in. That's what that's what I thought. And, that's how I perceived and, you know, Saturday's postgame. I may not like everything about Jimbo Fisher, but I'll give him credit. I think the man understands the general concept when he takes a macro view, which he'll never yeah. take in season. Mm-hmm. He'll never talk to us in a macro way. He's always talking about the next day, the next practice. Which next is probably day. how he has to legitimately live. Like there's probably that's probably a, a fairly genuine. But if they're piece not of playing there. Louisiana Monroe on December second, he's sitting there and he's watching conference championship games and trying to recruit and trying to figure it out, I think he's gonna have a very large macro view of looking at something that's sort of become a mess with him in charge. You covered recruiting this weekend, Chris. Um I saw kids. I don't know who. Like, I'm not gonna pretend like I know who's walking in when I when I see them. But one of them was the kid in the camo. That was the yeah, running Steven, back. Uh, running back. Steven's last name. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's walking, he's walking in there with his with his head down and just not a lot of buzz for recruiting. Like, what are you noon kickoffs kill you seeing, when yeah. you're FSU and you have to get kids to travel in. It's really tough to get them in here. I mean, they had officials here. It sounds like they did a good job with Patrick Joyner. That's still gonna be a fight with Miami to the end. 
you know, Israel Mukuamu was in here. They tried to shore him up. I'm actually having a conversation with him now over text about his visit. But I think they did a good job. They know how to host Adam a kid, Schefter how to over show him. But at the same time, they, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of momentum. And they need to put a few final pieces into this class and try to finish things up. And they have no momentum. And game days aren't helping them. Wins well, that only gets worse, them. doesn't it? Like, you even forget wins or losses, but and, just... And eventually the whole talk of changing coaches, that's starting to permeate more and more. Yeah, you have Recruits start here, and it matters to some, and it doesn't matter to others, but it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be the most interesting offseason FSU has had since the year before the national championship. Mm-hmm, when they had a bunch of turnover. Yeah. Um, but those guys were moving up in the world. The promise is staff's not going to move up in the world. And there in line and I think is a that, pretty big... that's the indi- indication of the direction of the program. Yep, um, no one's poaching away the the coaches right now. You know, that's that's probably problematic on on the grand scheme of things. Uh, special teams corner, Bob. You wanna wanna add anything on the special teams? We should get this. Uh, we should get this sponsored. Nothing. All right, cool. So <laughs> you had your opportunity. Anything else, guys? Before we wrap this up, it's only been thirty minutes. We want it to be a little bit longer. Now Joe Reedy from AP is here and staring no. at us. So the pressure is continually being placed on me, and I'm not doing well. What more can be said? There's something ironic about a person that can't handle pressure talking about people not being able to handle pressure. How about we leave pressure? with this? Do they make a bowl game? They have six games to go if you count ULM, yes or no. Are we counting ULM? Well, we're going to count get, ULM. I, They're no. going to play the game. Do they make it, yes or no? Uh, so let's go, let's go down the list. We assume Boston College is probably a win. They need four wins. Maybe. I mean, that's, I mean it's a Friday. It's an interesting. It sort of has trap elements to it. BC, we're going to put as a maybe. You've you got to right. pull yourself out of the gutter at some point. How about we go Syracuse as a loss because we know what that team can do to them. FSU can't afford a slow start against Syracuse. Syracuse starts well, unlike they did against Miami this past week, gets up. They're going to run 100 plays on your ass and bury your defense on the field. Delaware State wins. Yeah, yeah. Clemson at Clemson. Uh-huh. Likely a big, loss. Big and then Florida at Florida. I still think they beat Florida. Which may just be pure hatred towards the Gators, but I I just—I mean, people keep calling it pillow fight. It's such an apt description. They barely beat Duke on the road. FSU can score 18 points. I'm still not convinced Florida can consistently (laughs) score 18 points. ULM, we assume that's a win, right? Sure. Yes, give me that, please. So, so, so that would be two a, two defined wins: Delaware State and ULM. You go into saying, all right, that your team, even if it comes out and just, so that means Boston College, Syracuse, Florida are the maybes, and you need to win two of those three. I think is where, where, where we're at. And the thing is, we don't know where this team's mindset is. We don't know if they can get them back focused. Again, I give credit to the coaching staff, despite the start that they've been able to get them maybe not hyped and, and just coming out like, a, as a, Jimbo says, a bunch of crazed dogs. Like, I don't think that's in this team's DNA. But they have come out and they haven't given up. Now I don't know whether we can rely on that or not, like to see that from this team. Is that fair? I don't, I don't, know, who, I don't know whether they're going to give up or not because they look pretty darn broken. Yeah, and if Tate's hurt and Patrick's hurt, Patrick is hurt, and your O line's banged up, and you go to BC and you don't play well and you lose. And BC's I mean, had two really nice wins in a row, right? I mean, they beat Virginia, yeah. and then they just first time they scored forty in back to back games in fifteen years. I think it was oh two, I believe, was the last time. Offensive powerhouse in Chestnut Hill. Uh, so yeah, guys, what we we're trying to say is uh, things aren't great right now. I can't tell you that there there's a blueprint for them to get better good right now. No, they're not. I was trying to be nice. Mediocre? Are they even mediocre? No, they're two and four. Okay. By by record, they, they are below they're, average. They're just a bad football team. They're not a good football team. They are an average football team right now. And I'm not saying average on a, like a grading, you know, on a on a curve either. Like they're not average on for an AC. They're just an average football team. 
and that's where we're at. Florida Fun State times. 2017. Remember when they were ranked number two, like in the S&P Plus, and number three in the preseason polls, and we were talking about national championship, like roads and stuff? All right, good times. For the Knowles 24-7 podcast, I'm Brendan Sinone. Thanks to Christine and Bob Ferrante for joining me. Wayne, Joe, thanks for looking on. Appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you guys later.